And I told my wife, right, I'm working on this accelerator and this startup. And my wife's like, I don't really know what he does. My father-in-law is like, oh yeah, Chase does SEO, right? Every single person had a different story about what I did. And that was my fault, right? By not choosing something and by picking everything, I did nothing. Welcome to episode 10 of season nine of Live in the Feast. I'm Jason, AKA Rez, helping you grow your business by having a conversation with someone who's been there, had success, and built a business designed around a life that they want to live. That's Live in the Feast. If this is your first time listening, hit that subscribe button so that you get notified every time a brand new episode drops. Live in the Feast is in your podcast app of choice. If you've heard the show before, why not leave a rating and review on iTunes or drop us a comment in Breaker or CastBox. It does help others find the show. This season is titled Building a Better and More Profitable Business, and it's all about leveling up to help create a more profitable and sustainable business. And especially in this period of time in history, with COVID and soon to be post-COVID, I think it's so important to be able to learn from one another in any way that we can. Today's co-host is Chase Diamond. Chase is a top e-commerce email marketer and has sent over 1 billion emails resulting in 50 plus million dollars in email attributable revenue. He knows what he's doing in the email space but he's also a family man with a baby daughter and has made a very deliberate business decision to go all in on e-commerce marketing. And I wanted to dive in more and ask him some questions about how he's done that and how it shapes his life. In this episode, we dive into his story through each of the pivots throughout his career and the decision processes around them. We also talk about going wide versus going deep and the powerful thing that reinforces his decisions on a daily basis, even if he feels a bit of imposter syndrome. There is a bonus episode of this conversation available inside of Feast Club where Chase shares everything step-by-step that he did when he shifted his business from being a generalist to being a specialist. Check out feastclub.co for more information about it and check out that episode. You can find out all about Chase and sign up for his amazing newsletter at chasediamond.com. And that's D-I-M-O-N-D, no A. And reach out to him on Twitter. He's super active there and he's super engaging at ecomchasediamond. Now, let's dive in. feeling like you're in a silo all by yourself with no one to bounce ideas off of? Are you looking to get predictable revenue into your service-based business? Do you want better clients who respect you? Well, gain the support from like-minded developers, designers, and other creative professionals providing client services inside a Feast Club. Forget those stale articles from 2008 giving you advice on how to run your business. It's 2021. Join Feast Club today and get access to a community, including myself, where we share what we're working on in real time, strategies and resources that work in today's market, and ideas and support for one another in a safe place. 
you'll get access to a private podcast which has bonus episodes from some of the guests in this season that you can only get inside a Feast Club. You'll also get access to a monthly one-hour virtual meetup, a private Slack and Circle community, member-only content library, access to message yours truly directly. Also, you're going to get exclusive expert workshops from folks like Kaylee Moore on pricing, Robin Kennedy on email, and Nick Gulig on sales, and so many more. There is no better time than right now to learn from those a few steps ahead of you and leverage your skills to help and support others to grow all of our businesses together. So if you want to check it out and join a community that's built on the saying, a rising tide raises all boats, head on over to feastclub.co today. I hope to see you on the inside of the club. Now, let's get back to the show. Hey, Feasters. Welcome to another episode of Live in the Feast. I am super excited and warm welcome to Chase. Thanks, man. I appreciate you having me. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So, first things first, how's the little one doing? She's doing really, really well, thank you. She's actually 10 months old today, so crazy to think that I almost have a, a one-year-old. It's, it's insane, but it's been awesome. Yeah, yes. So... I have a four-year-old and a one-year-old, right? And so I have to ask this question. Did you become hyper-focused when she was born? Dude, literally, I thought I was going to be focused, and then it became, like, to the extreme. Like, over overnight, like, something just hit me. It's kind of a weird feeling. It's almost something I feel like you, you have to go through to actually know what I'm describing. But o- overnight, like, my outlook and my views and my priorities changed, like, I've been with my wife. We've been together for like nine years. We've been married for, I don't know, a year and a half or two years, right? And obviously really care, really prioritize her, but just like that next level of being able to love someone and love something um, and being able to want to like free up as much time as possible, like hit me instantly. Yeah. I mean, that was the same with my first son. And then I was like, I'm like, man, I thought I was super focused before. All of a sudden, it was just like the priority was like there. Not that my wife and myself, like yourself, it's not like we weren't a priority, but it was just like, that's it. Here it is. And then it happened again with my second son. And so I was like, oh my gosh, everything I do is like, it comes to a question of, do I want to work on this thing or do I want to go play Lego or play outside or something like that. Just have some fun. You know what I mean? So it's weird. Like I've had a couple of conversations with uh, entrepreneurs and newborns. And every time they say like, it's just this hyper focus. Like women, they get that super strength and super smell and all of those superpowers. <laughs> but us guys, it seems like we get like super focused. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. I think for, for me, I think before having a baby, I really valued like the hustle culture, right? The more hours spent, the harder you work, you know, the more worthy you were. And I think for me, like the opposite happened when I had the baby. It's like, hmm, maybe that wasn't the right move. Or maybe it was the move that allowed me to be free and present today, right? The hustling before to be able to have it hard then to have it easy now. And now for me, it's everything. It's like, how can I be efficient? How can I be effective? How can I hire people to do the hustle? That's a great self-awareness. I mean, that's kind of how I, because I'm a solo owned and operated, but yet there are things like the podcast, like video editing, like all of this stuff, like I'm not good at, I can do it. Sure. 
but you know what? Let's let somebody else do that. I'd much rather go do something else, right? Like really just optimize my days. And I'm super you know, aware of emotions and how I feel on certain days. And sometimes it's just like, hey, look, this afternoon, look, I can't focus. I'm just going to go play in the backyard because it's a great afternoon or, you know, just go for a walk with my wife or whatever, like that sort of thing. And I mean, for me, that's, that's why I started the business in the first place. Like I didn't want to sit in a cube from nine to five all day, every day for the rest, next 40 years of my life. Like I wanted to experience life, you know? So cool, man. So what I wanted to kind of bring you on and talk to you about, and I know that you're, you're kind of like the D to C person where I am more for like agencies and, and, you know, online coaches and programs and things of that nature when it comes to email, right? But then you you threw out this tweet because that's what I know you as. We've tweeted back and forth and, and I've always known you as that. But then you threw this tweet out there that said, hey, I went all in on this like a year ago. And so for me, I was like, oh, there must've been a pivot, right? Like there must've been something that you were working on beforehand. And so I wanted to come on, have you on and and just ask you a couple of questions about your process, like why was it that you decided, hey, I'm going to go all in on this email thing? Yeah, I think for for me, it starts even before I started working. So growing up, I played competitive soccer, right? I played a bunch of sports, but soccer really was the thing that I played. And the thing that I think was really valuable about me as a player back then was the fact that I was really great and I was a generalist, right? I was pretty good at every position on the field except for goalie. Right. So in a, in a club game, in a competitive game, I would switch between playing forward, center mid, and right back, right? And then I went to high school, the same thing. And then I played college soccer, and it was the same thing. Like the reason I was valuable back then is because I was so versatile, right? Someone would get hurt, um, someone would get tired, right? I could move around and play the full, full game, right? So I, I kind of grew up with this, like, being really general, but being pretty good at each thing. And then something happened um, in, in college. Like, I had to pay for my own tuition alongside my parents because I went to an expensive school and we, we couldn't afford it. Right. So I was working jobs and internships and playing college soccer and doing fraternities and doing school. And when I kind of started doing internships and jobs, like I fell in love with marketing and in particular, I don't know why email was always something I was drawn to. Maybe it was something I was good at and I like the things that I'm good at. So I kind of was drawn to it. But for me, email has been always this channel that feels really intimate, but it's one to many. So what I basically mean by that is right. So um, with paid social, for example, if you see an ad on Facebook or Instagram, you'll see a friend or a family member's post, you'll have the ad, right? Ads are effective, but there's a lot of distractions. And with email, I always felt like if I could get you to open the email, it's just me and you, Jason. I have your attention for two seconds. I have your attention for 30 seconds. I have your attention for a minute. How good and, and my email is depends on how much time share you're going to dedicate to it, right? So for me, when I found email, I was like, wow, this is really, really cool. And every job I had, every internship I had, email had really a core component of it. And again, I was still doing other things at this time. I was doing you know, SEO and influencers and content and, and et cetera. Um, so I started my first agency, you know, me and two other partners. We scaled pretty quickly to about $30,000 a month offering every service under the sun. And I just kept thinking like we were capped at this 30. We could not break past it. As soon as we got a new client, we dropped another, right? We kept dropping the ball, this, that, and the other. So it's like, all right, great. You know, that was agency. We're done with that. Then went on to another agency where I joined kind of a little bit later on. I became a partner. We pretty quickly scaled it to about $80,000 a month in revenue. 
Again, hey, you have this need, you want to pay us for that? Sure, we'll take that, right? The whole jack of all trades, master of none is what I learned after that ceiling. So I kind of just made the, the conscious decision. It's like, I want to do an agency. I like the business model. It's easy to start. It's good cash flow. It's something that you know myself and my partners could do and make a lot of money from. But I want to be more intentional, right? Every conversation I was having with friends and family, every conversation I was having with prospects, when I told them I did everything, they heard that I did nothing, right? You know, my mom was telling people, oh, Chase is working on an incubator. And someone's like, oh, I didn't know he worked in the hospital with babies. And I told my wife, right, I'm working on this accelerator and this startup. And my wife's like, I don't really know what he does. My father-in-law is like, oh yeah, Chase does SEO, right? Every single person had a different story about what I did. And that was my fault, right? By not choosing something and by picking everything, I did nothing. So as soon as I started telling people, hey, I'm going to try this email marketing thing. That's the thing I love. That's the thing I'm good at. They're like, oh, you do email marketing. Like all those you know, emails I get in my inbox. Like I get it. It started feeling really, really tangible. And that for me, when people understood what I did, that allowed them to help me. They're able to send me clients. They're able to give me advice. They're able to connect me with people in the industry. So for me, really, really long-winded, went from being a generalist and everything, figuring out you know, through jobs and internships that email was something I had a knack for, still did everything with agencies, realized I don't want to do everything. I want to be great at one thing. Um, and I specifically have been doing e-commerce email marketing for the past three years now. So that was one of the things that I had learned too, because I grew up as a, a developer and I did Java, Ruby, PHP, and then I bolted on frameworks, WordPress, and so on and so forth. It wasn't until I actually niched down and specialized on one thing in that space that people couldn't refer me, like you're saying. Like, nobody knew. My parents and people that were close to me were like, I don't know, I think he makes websites. Like, that's all like they ever said, right? Like, I think he makes websites, right? But that referable moment when you decided to become solely focused on the email marketing side of things. How did you unpack that with your existing clients? Or did you just kind of say, hey, I'm not doing that anymore. Going this route, were you cold turkey? Or was there some transition that you had? Mainly mainly cold turkey. The beginning part of my career was specifically focused on audience development through cold email. So I actually spent an email now for about five and a half, six years. But the first two, two and a half years was specifically on cold email. And in a way that's very different and unique, I was leveraging cold email to build communities, to build newsletters, to build forums. Most people, when they think about cold email, right, they think about the annoying B2B cold email that we, we all get. I was building free massive communities in the hundreds of thousands and the millions through cold email. So a lot of the clients that I had initially knew me as cold, cold email chase, right? Like chase the cold email. So when I kind of st- stepped away to go on from, not only do I do email, but I specifically do e-commerce email marketing, which inherently applies often email, not cold email, my skill set and their need really were, were two separate things, right? And, and there was some people that were like, hey, you know, we we're paying you to do this other service and you can try us on our email and we charge them pennies on the dollar. So there was very little overlap. I kind of almost had to like reinvent myself and recreate myself, but I did have this email hat and this email experience that people trusted me for and knew me for. So it was a little bit more seamless of a transition going from cold email, people knowing I had these crazy accolades and accomplishments to now doing opt-in email and being willing to give me a chance. So I think the people that gave me the chance and, you know, I work for free, I work for cheap. Those are the people that I'll always be, you know, grateful for, right? Those are the people that allowed me to build the confidence that allowed me to build the case study and really kind of set the foundation and the framework of what I do today. I mean, I see your tweets all the time and, you know, it's very 
you know, thought-provoking tweets. There's data behind it, all of those sort of things. When you were that generalist, did you do something similar as far as putting yourself out there? Or was it this kind of like, hey, this there's this line in the sand now, and now I have something that I can repeatedly talk about and share and position myself as, so I'm going to be that thought leader. Yeah, initially when I was doing everything, like I had so much on my mind, I had so much I was doing, but I wasn't going super deep into all these things. I was just more scratching the surface. That, like I would try, you know, throwing out and casting a line for influencer marketing and I'd throw a line on, try to cast it for email and I'd throw a line on, cast it for content. And there was just no one biting, right? Like when I talked about so many different things, it seemed like I had like OCD and ADD and all these other things, right? Like it almost seemed like I was talking about one thing one day, another thing, another. And I don't think people could really follow the storyline. People couldn't really keep up. And again, all the stuff I had was very surface level. So I was trying, I was still doing the things I'm doing today. I just was a lot less successful with it because again, I, I, I don't think I deserve people paying attention because I didn't really know what I was doing. I, I'm like a 21 year old kid when this is happening. I'm still trying to figure this out. And by no means, you know, at 28 now do I have all the answers, but I know a lot more than I did then. And obviously still have a lot more to learn. So I think for me, when I finally started talking about cold email and I started talking about things that people hadn't heard of, or if people had heard of it, they had just heard about things that worked six years ago. They didn't hear about things that were actually working today. I think email marketers and certain marketers that are doing things that are black hat, gray hat, and kind of like cutting edge, they don't really give you the full story of what they're talking about. So as I was super transparent with what I was doing and showing people not only why I was doing it, but how I was doing it, um, I think that really started to kind of get people interested. And then I did a podcast with my buddy, Ryan, and he had a decent audience and that allowed me to get other podcasts, right? So I kind of ended up going down this rabbit hole where I started just talking about email, becoming obsessed with email. And finally, for one time in my life, I became the best at something, right? Again, having this persona of being pretty good at everything. You know, if, we're, if you're on a sports team, right, I'd always get picked second or third. I would never get picked first. And I finally found that thing within email, right? Like I would start getting picked first. So as I pivoted to being something passionate about something and good at something, then I started going all in. So I think I'd say the past like one year, maybe a year and a half has really been kind of like the new, the new me, the, the me that I really like to talk about and people really like to listen to. So I have, I have a couple of questions, but before I do get into those, I always like to ask everyone, what's your defining moment in life so far? So, so there's two for, two for me. Um, one was I was 13 years old. I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. And Crohn's disease is inflammation of your digestive tract. That plus ulcerative colitis are formed under what's called IBD, which is inflammatory bowel disease. There's about you know one to 2 million people that are diagnosed in the US. So from 13 to 14, I was sick for an entire year. I kept getting mistreatment, misdiagnosis, mistreatment, misdiagnosis for an entire year. So I was, you know, sleep, I was sleeping in bed for 16 to 18 hours a day. Like I couldn't go to school. I couldn't play sports. Like, you know, as a teenage kid, that was a seventh grader going to eighth grade. It was tough. So at 14 years old, instead of being like, oh, why me? Poor me. I took it upon myself to raise awareness and fundraising for this disease. So from 14 to 16, I really like dedicated my life towards um, helping others with this disease know about it. So that way they could get help and treatment first. And then at 16, I became the youngest board member of the Crohn's and Clydes Foundation. They do, I think t- today, about $50 million a year in fundraising. And I served a six-year board term there. And again, none of these things I knew at the time, but in hindsight, right? Like I had the world's greatest mentors. I had people that were CEOs of banks, CEOs of pharma companies that were mentoring me, right? They saw something in me. They saw that I you know, wanted to do something and they grew me. 
Again, I didn't know that they were my mentors at the time. I didn't really think much of it. Um, I taught myself guerrilla marketing as a result, you know, doing flyers, taking ads out in papers, organizing walks in restaurant drives, uh, telling people to bring their friends, right? Referral marketing, word of mouth, all of these things. Again, nothing I knew about, nothing I did intentionally. I just was really hungry to you know, have this purpose. Um, so I think for me, that experience you know, formed, formed everything. And then becoming a dad, which we talked about. I think those two are the two that really have been monumental. Yeah, that's that's super interesting that you won. First of all, that's awesome that you became a board member at such a young age, but that opportunity to subconsciously learn, right? Because you said you weren't you weren't really aware of it. I mean, 13, 14, 15, 16. Look, when I was that age, I was working. I was working from 14 onwards, much like you're saying, like for college and things like that. And I had this weird epiphany around 14, where I knew that I, I just didn't want to wake up every day and work at a job that I hated because at that point in time, I was a stock boy in a fabric store. So it's like the worst job that any teenage boy can ever have, right? Like, and I still remember the day when I vowed that to myself. Now that's pre-internet, right? So early 40s. So like that's way before the internet, right? So how am I going to ever do that? So and that's why I love asking these questions because it's funny how there's these certain points in anyone's life that even if at that point in time you don't recognize it, that when you reflect back on it later, you start to see like the full circle and You'd learn, like you said, guerrilla marketing, referrals, all of those sort of marketing techniques that you learned intrinsically because you're really passionate about what it is that you were trying to get the word out about. Your brain absorbed all of that information and you're doing what you're doing today. You know, we were talking about email as far as making that connection with somebody and hey, how much attention am I having with this person is how good I am, right? But really what it is, is it's making that connection. And if that reader connects with the author in the way that email can do, then all of those things that you learned back in your early to mid-teens, it totally makes sense, right? Like all of that stuff is coming back out. It's something that you're passionate about, something that you can get through an email that, you might not get in an ad. You might not get in a cold email. You might not get in a, a video or a podcast or something like that. But so I, I appreciate you sharing sharing that with us today. You were saying about being the best at something, right? And so people, especially listeners here, right? Like we're myself included, a lot of us are just introverts. It's hard for us to say, I'm the expert, I'm the best. Um I'm the person that can solve your problems. Even if we do know that, like we believe it like coming out and saying that stuff, what you share, it's what you're working on. It's what you're researching, what, you know, data points, these sort of things, that fear of, Hey, somebody's going to come back at me. Like I'm going to get some resistance or I'm going to get pushback. Uh, you know, like you throw a stat out there and then people say, Hey, I read this completely different than you read this, right? When you planted your flag in and said, this is what I'm going to be known for and this is what I'm going to do moving forward a year and a half ago, let's say, how have you handled that one internally 
to say, hey, I'm going to be just doing this because I think this is going to help people and I'm going to put myself out there. And two, how do you handle those pushbacks, if you will, those social pushbacks that come from the ether? Yeah. I mean, again, like when I do say like, I'm great and I'm, I'm the best, obviously I don't mean that like super egotistically. I obviously I feel, you know, just like everyone else, I have imposter syndrome, right? Daily, if not weekly. And I think if you don't have imposter syndrome, you're probably not doing enough, right? I think you feel that when like you're taking that leap to the next step and you're like, oh man, am I worthy of this? Can I do it? And then you, you accomplish it. And if you don't accomplish it, you, you get back up and you try again, right? So I think for, for me, right? The part that drives me is every single day, I get at least one message from someone that says, you know, you changed my business, you changed my life, your advice really helped me. And that is so powerful. That is the stuff that keeps me going. Because I, I know for every one person that says thank you, there's probably another five to 10 people that are thinking that they just don't actually mention it. So just the fact that every day I get that small reinforcement of like, hey, this, this was really meaningful for me. Thank you. Um, that to me is, is, is everything, right? I, I've said this for last year and I'm saying this year, like I'm really focused on, on impact. And before we started recording, I mentioned to you that I'm at the point where you know, I got married first. I bought a house first. I had a kid first. I got engaged first. Like I've hit all these milestones before a lot of my friends are like, I'm at the point where I just want to see other people's wins. And I love celebrating other people's wins as much, if not more than, than my own. Right. So by being able to celebrate other people and by able to help other people become their best self, that to me is everything. And, you know, I, I think for the most part, like 99% of what I post is really, I don't want to say genuine, but really like kind and authentic and helpful and conversational for lack of a better word, polarizing, right? So, you know, when I do postings, I think I posted something yesterday about this stat about e-commerce revenue and whatnot, and a bunch of people are commenting. It's like, to be honest, I kind of just, I look at it and I'm like, Hey, that's your opinion. This is, this is mine. And it is what it is. So I had one person message me like, are you going to respond to all these comments about this? It's like, well, what's the point? Like, this is my opinion. This is what I believe. And that's their opinion. I'm not right more than they're right. And, and they're not wrong and I'm not wrong. Right. So I think I've just really come to terms with like, everyone has their own perspective. Everyone has their own lens. You know, maybe some of these people had a bad day. Maybe they're, they're lashing out on me or you know, maybe something didn't go right. So I, I think I justify for people, whether that's the right thing or nothing, and I'm okay with it. So I just know that 99% of the things I do are helping people. And if I post one thing that you know, maybe people are like, well, that's not how you do the math. It's like, all right, well, I, I messed up. I'm, I'm human. So I've gotten okay with just shrugging things off and I'll never attack someone for, for their opinion, even if they you know attack me for mine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a, a great way to look at it. That's same way that I have the empathy that I come. Great friend of mine was, look, I'm coming into business with empathy in one hand and being humble in the next. And so, you know, that phrase is stuck with me for years now, probably eight, nine years. And so anytime I get pushback or somebody comes at me or like the trolls, let's say, right? It's like, maybe you're having a bad day, you know, like, or, you know, or you could just mute me <laughs> like that. That's how I think in my head. It's too, it's like, well, you're paying attention to what I'm saying. So there's something there that I'm, that's resonating one. Otherwise you wouldn't be even replying back. Right. So a lot of those other things that come into it is, is, and I would challenge you to say that if one person says it, there's probably 10 people that actually are thinking it, right? And so just from the stat, from that, like you hearing a thank you or, hey, I listened to this podcast that you did five years ago and I implemented this thing and it's great. Like I've 
scaled up my business or done whatever, right? For me, that's why I'll get up in the morning and I love what I do, right? Because it's like, I get those emails. Those are the best kind of emails for those dip days, right? Like you just go back and reflect and like, oh yeah, I affected somebody's life in the positive. And so I'm certainly there with you. Yeah, three other things I want to quickly add. I think one for, for me, right? Like if I post something with the right intention and it's ill-perceived or it's just, you know, whatever, no, I'm okay with that, right? Because I had the intention and, you know, sometimes translation of what people's intentions are and how they come across is, is something, right? So that's kind of like, that's one. Two, most of the time, if anyone does say anything negative or mean to me, if you go look at their profile, they're not even following me anyways, right? So they happen to see something in their feed. They don't know anything about me. I don't know anything about them. So it's also pretty easy for, for me to ignore because anyone that says something, it's like, all right, well, that, that's fair. That's fine. If I saw something random in my post, I wouldn't post anything about it, but I might think that. Sure, that's fine. And then three, I think it's important to have outlets, right? So for me, you know, if I'm having a bad day or something's not going my way, you know, I'll, I'll go give my daughter a hug, right? I'll give my wife a hug or I'll go play basketball with my brother. So I think for, for me being able to channel certain some of these things outward and, and not react and not respond, right? Um, I think those are the things that help me in, in this and in, in, in everything. Yeah, th- that's so important. I mean, you were saying also before we pressed record, you're that quintessential cool cucumber, as they used to say, right? Like you're pretty even keel, you know, you don't get too high, you don't get too low, you're kind of even level there. I'm sort of the same way publicly. You won't know whether I'm jumping off at the hilltops or like I'm <laughs> about to jump off the cliff. So the thing for me is those outlets. How do I monitor? And somebody that I, you know, I had in my college years and even in my mid thirties, I battled depression and anxiety and things of that nature. So I'm more acutely aware of my feelings before it even gets to that level at this point. But to be even keel is super powerful. Yes. I'm going to celebrate those wins and I'm going to wallow in those losses too, but each of them get equal time. If it's a bad loss, it's a bad loss. If it's a great win, it's a great win. And I'm going to say, I'm going to celebrate that stuff. I give myself permission to go out on the deck and can't see if you're listening to this podcast, but I have my deck behind me and I'll go out there. And my wife knows if I go out there during the daytime, then something's not right. right? But going out there, just sitting at the, the table for a little bit and just looking out into the trees and the birds and things like that, that brings me back, right? Like that's that outlet, so to speak. Like you got basketball. I suck at basketball. (laughs) If it was for me, my sports, baseball and hockey. So it's like, you know, I I will go to the batting cage and swing some, take some swings, right? Like that's just my, it must feel nice. It does sometimes. Yes. It's like a a little extra, right? (laughs) So yeah, totally with you on that. So one last thing I want to mention is I think the self-awareness or the hyper-awareness has also been a superpower of mine. I'm like so hyper-aware in every single conversation with the exception of podcasts, obviously where I'm coming on, I'm supposed to be doing the talking. I'm so hyper-aware and self-aware of like how much percentage someone is talking, right? Like, for example, like I never like to talk more than 50% of the time. Like if I'm in a conversation with friends and people, and I actually probably talk 20% of the time, like I am so focused and genuinely interested on, on learning and asking people that like, they always called me like curious George, like, like growing up, like I asked so many questions, like I'm always trying to learn. And I think everyone has something to add and some value to give that like in a conversation, if I ever hear myself talking for a majority of the time in terms of minutes or just in terms of conversation, I immediately try to round up my story. 
and then ask the other person about them. So I'd say in, in most conversations with my friends, I'm probably talking 20, 30% of the time and they're talking, you know, 70, 80% of the time. And a few exceptions are if I'm creating content where I'm supposed to be the one talking. Yeah. That, that was something that I had a conversation with Justin Jackson a long time ago. And he said, freelancers have the best superpower because they're introverts. And most of the time they're going to be absorbing what's around them, not just one, they're going to be quiet, but they're going to be perceptive of what's around them and the person that's that's actually doing the talking. And that's something that I hadn't really thought about in those terms until he mentioned that. Um, so it's awesome to hear that, that you look at it very much the same way, because I always sort of took that for granted for me. Like just as a concrete example, when we were allowed to go into conference rooms and offices and meet people in, in a business relationship, I'd look around their office. Do they have family photos? Do they have awards? Those sort of things tell me a little bit about that person before they even say a word, right? And so for me, that is just something that was innate in me from a perspective point of view. So that's 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 great to hear from yeah, uh, from your your angle too, that you feel the same way. So I want to be mindful of your time here. And what's up next for the next six, 12 months for you? Besides little one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Big milestones. So, <laughs> yeah. So for for me, I basically have a couple things I'm working on. The main thing that has primary attention and focus is my my agency. Um, so we have about 45 to 50 full-time employees at the agency. About 30 of them are on my team. So we do email marketing for e-commerce. We've done that for a long time. We merged last year around this time with a company that does uh, paid social for e-commerce. Uh, they do Facebook and Instagram ads. And then we recently rolled out a studio that does videography and photography for assets for social and also for email. So the team that I run is the e-commerce email team. We have about 30 full-time people and there's about 15 to 20 people across the other two teams. So really focus on growing and scaling You know, this agency. We have about 50 clients on the email side. We've got about 35 to 45 clients on the other side. So we're continually to kind of bring in really great people, bring in really great clients. So that's, that's one focus, right? Is building the agency. Within the agency, uh, we are about to launch one of our first brands. We're going to be launching a brand probably in the coming few months. I'll be kind of something that we, you know, practice what we preach, right? We're able to do this for all our clients. Let's see if we could do it for ourselves. So that's one thing. And then we're also actively looking on how do we acquire Shopify apps? How do we build Shopify apps? How do we build services and, and products that will benefit our book of business and, you know, anyone that follows us? So that's really the core focus. And then secondary to that, you know, all my personal brand stuff, right? So I have a weekly newsletter. There's about 7,600 people that receive a weekly you know, email marketing tip guide, content piece from every Monday. I have a paid newsletter that goes out every Thursday. And then I have two kind of courses, right? So also doubling down and increasing the volume of that. So those are some of the things I'm focused on. When we initially kind of merged our agencies, our whole goal in doing that was to get acquired, right? We thought that by coming together, we would increase the valuation. We would have diversity. We'd be able to cross sell and upsell services that a big and large agency or P shop would acquire us. Um, we were 100% in on that idea. Where we sit right now, we're probably 50-50. If the right offer comes up in the coming years, great. And if it doesn't, you know, we're going to keep cash flowing the business, keep bringing in really great people, keep building kind of what we're doing internally. So those are some of the things that kind of I'm thinking about and focused on for the next half a year to a year. Yeah, that's awesome. It's interesting to hear the compass shifting a little bit, right? Thank you so much, Chase, for uh, spending some time and, and sharing some of your experience with us today. What's the best way that folks can reach out and say thanks? Yeah, if people want to get blown up on a lot of email content, follow me on Twitter. 
make sure you have those notifications off or you're going to be getting <laughs> tweets from me all the time. But um, my Twitter handle is ecom, E-C-O-M, uh, Chase, C-H-A-S-E, and then Diamond without the A. So it's D-I-M-O-N-D. So ecom, Chase, Diamond, no A in that. That um, also has a link to my free newsletter. So I'd say those two places, tons of free, really high quality value. Yeah, awesome. And we'll certainly link up all of that in the show notes for sure. Thanks again, Chase, for uh, coming on and and, uh, sharing some time with us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. For everyone listening, till next time, it's your time to live in the feast. Mm -hmm.